to Alvin de Fear from Cecil. I realized, old boy, that I hadn't written to you in an awful long time. So to make up for it, I thought I'd sing you a little song. Here you go. Slow down, you fly too fast. You've got to make the journey last. Just knocking back another gin and looking for fun and feeling woozy. Ba-da-da-da-da-da-da. Feeling woozy. Oh, bugger. I've dropped my gin. Oh, hello, outpost. Um, which pad's going? The need to pee is rapidly growing. Ain't you got no mugs for me? Doobie doobie, I'm feeling woozy. Ba da da la 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 da da, I'm feeling woozy. You know, I'm not sure I've got my timing right. I got no deeds to do, no pirates to kill. I'm dapper and drowsy and feel really quite ill. Let the warzone attack poor little me. I love you, Lael, despite being woozy. There you go, Alvin. Um, if you could pass that along to darling Lael for me, I would be eternally grateful. Now, where did I put my swizzle stick? As pilots run to their ships to head out to Garrido Market and the disaster site, a group of commanders are running in the opposite direction. Clutching their scripts, the sound effect machine under the arm of one of them, a frying pan in the hands of another. They've got a look of grim determination on their faces as they clatter along the corridors. They drop to their seats, pass the plug to the producer and take a deep breath, just in time to hear the words. Our mics are live. Good evening once again from the Hutton Orbital News Studio. I'm Rudolf Hucker, and I'll be your compare for this evening. All the usual voices will be here, along with some special guests. I'm Willie B. Hardigan, and I'm a stunt performer from Team Hotbox. As usual, I'm Harry Balzac. Wilma here, ready for action. Apology officer on standby. Norma Stuckers, cleared for broadcast. And I'm Lou, and I'm here because Norma told me I had to. I, I was hoping Kin Rain could come back this week, but no such luck. And now, on with the news. They've got more ginger nuts than a Scottish nudist camp, but workers refuse to hobnob. Young Mr Nocta Vegas thinks we're all done very well. King Hanky forgets how the disappearing trick is supposed to work. It's new news news. There's many a good fiddle played on an old tune. 
Pilots Federation denies that new update falls flat. All the community news that's fit to print, and much that isn't. And I've got a bit of an update from Hutton Space. Not that anyone cares. Fear stalks the corridors of Dunker's Rest this evening. The members of EDS 38 are gathered round the hitherto silent Galnet newspeaker as they anxiously await the tidings that they've been dreading from Burton's progress. Will the supply of their favourite biscuits dry up? Will they need to rename their station? And if so, who's going to have to break the news to Ed? Burton's progress in the Murragini system is where the exceedingly good Dr. Arkanen turns Thargoid Resin Jam into Thargoid Resin Jam Biscuits, otherwise known as Dodgy Jammers. But all is not well in this factory where they also make the wheels for our space wagons, though we swear they've got smaller since we were younger. Canon Research apparently made a derisory offer for the hazard pay demanded by the factory workers for handling the dangerous slime that is Thargoid Resin which is supplied direct to the factory in its natural state by the Anti-Xeno Initiative, AXI, often by just scraping it from the outside of their ship and letting it fall to the floor of the hangar. Raw Thargoid resin is highly corrosive and must go through 17 separate chemical, biological and psychological processes, some of which involve elements with a half-life shorter than that of a bottle of Centauri Megagin after Cecil's walked across the Gobi Desert, all before becoming tasty though still a little spicy, in the same way that a Carolina Reaper may cause you a little intentional discomfort if you eat a whole one. The treat that is the dodgy jammer. The perfect biscuit for dunking, as it's your cup that dissolves, not the biscuit. Talks with the unions are ongoing, and given that the same factory produces many different chocolate biscuits for the galaxy, management are encouraged by talk that they'll soon be given the finger. The long-retired Major General Nocta Vegas made a surprise inspection visit to Hutton Orbital last weekend. Donning his trademark Hutton badge uniform, we're glad that it still fits him after all this time, with only a hint of his new life of leisure being a pair of carpet slippers in place of his normal high-gloss thoroughbred kicking boots. The Major General has taken on a tour of our facilities by an attendant team of security-trained Momus Bob Spaniels availed himself of the victuals available in the mess hall and declared everything aboard the station to be all ship-shape and hut in fashion. At least we assume that's what he said. Ship. He was facing away from us as he said it. He exchanged his vibrant Corvette for a more personal mode of transport, going with the range-limited but sleeker iEagle, powered by the latest environmentally economical clean drives. A custody examination of the most recent hot pit reports was met with a raised eyebrow and a quizzical, how many systems? I thought Alvin didn't like expansion. Along with some tasty apologies from the team for their rather over-eager influence boosting over the year. Hasty rather than tasty. Don't make me come back here and sort it myself with his parting shot as he marched smartly back to his landing pad and from there to a waiting fleet carrier which will be escorting him to Colonia for a quick inspection of Fort Mug and Dunker's Rest over in Dumbinale. 
to ensure that Simbad the Bad's rather bad smell has been removed from the area. He might be retired, but as we say, once a trucker, always a trucker, and this utter trucker's a trucker through and through. The sound of beeping echoed through deep space a few days ago, as King Hanky, or at least one of his clones, auditioned and won the part of the Big Reverski in the latest film of Hutton's most hilarious facepalms broadcast this week. The Hanky clone, with the crew entirely populated by DNA replicas, was heading for Colonia to drop a number of them back to Fort Mug to help refurbish the kitchen facilities with new hand-washing equipment, when a passing area of interest caught his attention. And confident that he could catch up to the speed-jumping carrier, popped out for a quick one. As the carrier left, and on completion of his quick tour of the system, the Hanko clone fired up his frameshift drive and made the first jump on his catch-up race with the giant mobile landing pad and refuel station. At the next system, his shipboard fuck-up avoidance system flashed up a warning. Unable to fuel scoop, no suitable equipment is fitted to this vessel. At which point, the Hanky performed a facepalm and sent a message on ahead to the carrier which promptly pulled the big lever from there to back again and went into reverse. Caution, this carrier is reversing. Please stand clear, echoed throughout the ship, shortly followed by 500 light years of beep, 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 as the pilot executed a flight school proved perfect reverse maneuver to go and pick up the stranded clone. The hapless pilot rescued, the carrier continued on its route and is reported to have safely reached orbit of Hutton Moon, where the guilty party has been sent for remedial lessons in things not to forget when you lift off. He is said to have made an extensive list, including Bogrel in his in-flight snacks, clothes, hand wipes, and of course, all the equipment needed to actually fly around in space without having to push the emergency button. In a startling turn of events, it appears that the galaxy's entire cohort of news reporters have managed to escape from captivity in the last 24 hours and have returned to active duty. Yes, the Galnet reporting team, along with their local representatives in the Galnet audio department, Galbook, Galtwit, the Community Girl Publishing Company and lesser-known salt-raking publication, Read That, have appeared at their desks. With Galnet used articles having been missed the last 93 days and community girls having been absent for nine months, it appears that during the lockdown some unholy procreation has been taking place. And yes, they've had a baby. A digital one, complete with shocking headlines, exclamation marks and commentary from dodgy biased sources. Rumours that they've been held hostage, not by Hudson of the Federation, long-time opponent of what he styles as fake news, and the truth appear to have been unfounded as their return to active service has accompanied reports that a number of stations in Imperial space have come under attack and suffered significant damage. Did they break out from these locations? Is it just the Imperial news machine ensuring that someone remembers old blue hair once again in a time of waning interest in the galactic powers? Is there something else afoot? Early reports attributing to attacks to Thargoids appear to have been unfounded, 
with a terrorist group claiming responsibility for the attacks. However, pilots on this scene are reporting Xenu attack-like deposits on the outside of stations. There are many unknowns at this stage. Have the parties who have claimed responsibility managed to weaponize shipments of Cannon Brand Sticky Biscuits? Complete with their, Stargo- their Thargoid source gooey centers? Did they hide their explosive storage racks in, in Thargoid parts that were due to be used for research purposes? Local security chiefs are considering whether there's enough evidence of assault with a dangerous alien to press charges. Cannon and Interstellar are already on the scene conducting tests as to whether the subversion of the Eagle Eye network was a, was a source of the damage. One has to comment on the potential link between the new Cannon Biscuits and the Space Goo seen at stations. LCU No Fool Like One was reported to say, Our products are subject to availability. Choking hazard. May cause full breach if improperly stored. Not recommended for human consumption. May result in hyperspace conduit instability and thargoid attacks. Canon Interstellar accepts no liability for any loss, damage from storing or consuming this product. And thank goodness it wasn't the shipment of Nocisavian cheese. Can you imagine a cocky cheese explosion of that magnitude? I'm off to find some tinfoil before all this gets out of hand. We'd like to reassure commanders that when we say Garrido's had an explosion and Garrido's ring is on fire, we're not talking about Garrido, we're talking about Garrido Market, not the Pilots Federation communication team member who is just fine and definitely not covered in green goo or not suffering intestinal distress. Whatever the situation, our very own Galnet News Dietitian, Commander Wotherspoon, will be returning with a special Galnet News Digest later in this show. In a coincidental bit but unconnected report, we're happy to announce that Commander Foss's contract with the Initiative and Interstellar Initiative community team has been extended for another 15 months, and she's been asked to bring her earworms out of retirement immediately. It sounds like it's all kicking off, but we'll get to the bottom of it as fast as we can. There are reports coming in that the dastardly Don has been beavering away in his foundry again, unleashed yet more terrifying experiences on the galaxy. Not content with his gene-spliced dinosaurs, his dangerous menagerie of creatures from old Earth, a torture planet where he straps people to machines and makes them scream until they're sick, his Lemiscate Loop's 25-second eternal torture chamber of Groundhog Days, and, of course, his bizarre struggling vivisection experiments, He's taken something out of a museum, blown the dust off it, and like a dodgy Galway knockoff, is flogging second-hand goods as new. Yes, he's come up with his own ranking system for pilots loyal to him. Changing their rank titles from mostly mafia and concrete boot pourer to roller coaster entrepreneur and ride operator. At the moment, other than his own uniform being adorned with supervisor elite, the highest rank afforded to any of his minions has been that of Roller Coaster Tycoon. His thinly veiled attempts at legitimising his operations under the banner of a day of fun for all the family won't pull the wool over Hutton eyes. We know that the rides that he bought from years ago were massively popular, and yes, the log flume has enough chlorine in it both to kill any germs and strip the outer layer off your eyeballs, but we're suspicious of his motives. If, of course, he's turned over a new leaf and has rediscovered his sense of adventure, then we, of course, apologise. Actually, the ghost train looks quite fun. 
the Pilots Federation have released more information on the forthcoming licensing that will allow commanders to make landings on planets with tenuous atmospheres from early next year. They've had one eye on the two eyes that is the binocular vision that is critical to nailing that perfect landing in search of new biological entities. Yes, you'll be able to not only have your head in the clouds, safe in the cockpit of your ship, but be able to look at clouds from both sides now as you drive around these newly accessible planets in your scarab. They've stated that due to the manufacturing process for the Remlock survival helmet, they'll be using an automatic visor blanking system that will project a view from around the commander onto the screen in front of their eyes. To ensure high survival rates in toxic and corrosive atmospheres, these Elite Feet helmets will be using the latest in protective face protection. They have reassured us that they're working hard on making translucent covers for them in the future, allowing you to set your own two eyes on the wonders of atmospheric planets. But for the time being, the safest option is the wearable camera. The Commander community appears to be on cloud nine over this announcement, as there were concerns that shipboard visibility would be reduced and ships revert to the cockpit styles from the age of Jameson, with commanders only able to experience the outside environment through a computer-generated screen. Yet more salt avoidance measures were deployed in the same bulletin when, despite areas outside your cockpit being inaccessible for the near future, as a prevention measure to stop you smashing into things and when leaving your seat to go make a pop noodle, both planetary and space-based bases are likely to be able to be explored on foot early next year as well. Here is the roundup of what the community has been doing over the last week. In light of today's news, next week's edition is likely to be even more interesting, so don't forget to keep us up to date with what you're doing, whether it's helping to supply or repair stations, or an event you've organised yourselves. Firstly, we have the results of the competition that Canon Research started, to create a video commemorating some aspect of the Gnosis, Canon's research ship that is having its laboratories mothballed and is being set to work as a tour bus, given that fleet carriers can go further and faster. More than five entries were received by the prize committee, and they varied in length from just over one minute to just over 35. We are assured that all the videos were watched, but we do note the absence of the phrase in their entirety. We leave any judgment up to the listener. We at Hutton Orbital would like to offer our reassurance that no bribery was involved in the selection of the top video makers as our own Commander Wotherspoon and our dear friend, ridiculously talented artist Commander Beetlejude, partly because the judging panel are notoriously incorruptible, but mostly because we're broke. Now for the real men, other genders are available, race in Lederhosen race report. This was an event in search of and driven by beer. To help prevent the system of Bavariga from running out of beer, this affair was organised to collect real beer and deliver it by heading towards the sounds of outposts full of parched throats. That's real beer, namely 
Gerasian Girls Beer from Youth Chicken Port in Geras, Conga Ale from Laplace Ring in Conga, Buckyball Beer Mats from Rebuy Prospect in Fullerene C60, Kachirigan Filter Leeches from Norwak Orbital in Kachirigan, HR7221 Wheat from Veron City in HR7221, and Guthielo uh, Coo Froth from Tartadoc in Guthielo Coo. Beer intended for a more refined palates, such as we don't have here at Houghton. This was an event where the closer you got to the time you'd previously estimated for a run, the higher you scored. There were several case classes that could be entered, pending on the ship's configuration, and to cut a long story short, Commander N.W. Spacek mopped the floor with the competition, winning every class except one, and that was Space Taxi, where there were too few entries for a winner to be declared. The notable part of this whole endeavour that it's one, at least, that was not won by Commander Shea Blackwood. And now it's the turn of the dark wheel. See what I did there? They have just both expanded out of HR4979 into a new system, to a Ditani, just 19 light years from Lave, and have initiated their war for control over LTT5455. They predict that they will sweep both walls simultaneously 4-0 and will then start their process to expand from LTT5455 to their secret target system from which to test all. They expect to have a definitive answer on that by Halloween. There are six factions in the system and their attitude is, if nobody else is able to get in, then who is that seventh slot for? Regardless of the outcome of Phase 1, Sol, they are going to push hard to LFT 509, Phase 2, and Live, which is Phase 3, which will probably happen next by virtue of expediency. Here's early notice of the regular mug meet at Hutton Orbital, organised by Malice XR3, on Friday the 18th of September from 2100 BST. The commander writes... It's a new month, so with that comes another mug meet, though this one is slightly different to the usual. Yumi, the illustrious and occasionally short-tempered flight control officer of the FTM Alvin's Paw, has decreed that we need to have a clear-out of the Paw's inventory, so this means a couple of things. Firstly, the one-to-one scale tower defence games in the storage base will cease. Secondly, I might get my quarters back. A mattress made of cargo crates isn't the most comfortable, but most importantly gives a window for both some profits and to introduce those imperial types to the benefits of mug ownership and Alvin's fluffy leadership. To that end, we'll be heading up to the imperial-owned system of Pandemonium, apt name especially where Hot Boss is concerned, to empty the paw, spread the hunting word and make a few credits into the mix. Hope to see you there and for the mug. That's all the news we have for what the community has organised, but Flossie will be along later to give us the exciting details of today's updates from the Pilots' Federation. Well, to me, last on the list. How come when it's Norma going last, it feels like the climax we've been building up to that the listener's been waiting for with increasing excitement? 
But when I do it, it feels like the encore that no one wanted, playing to a crowd who are leaving as rapidly as possible. Anyway, you all know about the numbers, you all know what to do about them, and you can look on hot.forthemug.com for details, so there's no point rattling on about them. The important bits are the calls to action, and first, and least exciting, we have an election in tier, again. So, if you care about the never-ending election cool-down election cycle of our least important system, you know what to do. Next, we have a pirate attack in LP245-10. Now, those don't tend to last long, so if you want to smash the Don's dastardly minions over their sharpish and deploy those hard points. For the profiteers and philanthropists alike, we have an outbreak in Epsilon Indy. There's profit to be made shipping meds in and selling them at exorbitant prices and plenty of missions for helping the citizens. If you need additional assistance, I suggest asking the Boop Brigade, who are based out of Z, as they were shipping hundreds of tons of bio-waste into the system, which has contributed to the outbreak. Psyche, if you're listening, I told you this would happen. Finally, we have infrastructure failure in WISE 0855-0714. I've not had time to contact the fleet carriers, but I'm sure they're en route with the required commodities, so start trucking food and machinery deliveries to speed up repairs. Over to um, the closing items, I guess. Hello, and <clears throat> we're back. We're back. Oh, clear my throat there. It's the Hutton Frogs back again in my throat. And welcome back into the studio. Um, yes, a busy, busy show this week. And we've got a full team in the house. In fact, we have we may well have been more, well, more hat joining us in a second. We shall see. But um, obviously, we've got the, the, the Hutton regulars. Obviously, we've got Commander Palantir. Good evening, Commander Palantir. Good evening. And you know, the problem is there are a lot of us here tonight. And... There are more than six, but you know what? It doesn't matter because we're an elite and we're all in the same bubble. Thank you. I'll get the camera. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. What's that like? And of course we have Amelia. Hello, Amelia. Hello. Did everybody survive Tuesday? So far, so good. No, nobody, nobody died a horrible death of vacuum doom. Not yet. Sounds good. And we have Commander Flossie, who's cock-a-hoop, got the news Ooh. earlier, <laughs> about, about your community goals, Flossie. Yeah. You're out of retirement. <laughs> I'm have to do some work again. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so you get more. So this is just this is just greedy now. You get that bit and the, the sports bit. Oh, no, we, we've had to shuffle, haven't we? No, you, no. Be... I've had it taken <laughs> off me this week. Back in the usual slot, um, so uh, it, it's nice. It's nice to have that back. We were very excited when we heard that one. And uh, oh, who else have we got in the studio? We've got obviously Dead Meat GF. Good evening. And have you got the runs still? Um, I might be going for the runs after the show. Sounds good. I have new shoes. New shoes. Space yes. shoes. They're like the old shoes, but they're orange instead of green. I had mint versions, now I've got the orange versions. And like sitting along the pumpkin spice version, I presume. Sitting alongside you and admiring your new shoes from, from down there on the floor, because we ran out of seats, it's the Apology Officer. Hello. Hello. 
Hello, nice to have you along live. He's just very short. It's nice to be alive. Flossy, pine that man. Pine that man, quick. Anyway, well, it's nice to have. I think that was a, that was an AOE effect and got everybody there. Um, and obviously, um, it's nice to have you live. Yes, it's nice to be for, live. Yeah. Oh, not that you weren't alive before, but... Yeah, um, but, you know. And then we have the dulcet tones of Commander Rampage. Good evening. Who is joining us from Team Hotbox. Yes. Who've been very quiet recently. Just take it as they're up to something. We don't know anything about it. Which is <laughs> we we, we know nothing about what you're up to. Uh, and we've got Commander Ventura on the decks this this week. It was supposed to be a me week, but he's he's covering for me because of shenanigans. So Hello. thank you very much, Commander Ventura. Have I forgotten anybody in the massive list of everybody who's here? No? Awesome. Well, no, I tell you what, I've I've got a message here from uh, a representative of the Pilots Federation that they're available to be to be dialed into on a on a linked call here. Now I have no idea whether this bridging is going to work. Uh, did that big boobity boop noise happen in your ears, everybody, or not? No, no, it did not. No, no. no. let's try. Oh, that boobity boop. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yep. Yeah. Right, I'm going to try this. We might get awful loopback feedback, and your ears might melt. And we're going to blame the Pilots Federation for that one. But let me just um, give. Oh, look, quick feedback. Ring. Supposed kind of feedback. Now I don't know whether whether the representative from the Pilots Federation can actually hear us. Oh. I can hear somebody. No, can the rest of the radio team hear we the can't, question? No, no. no, you can't. Ah, yeah. oh, dear. Let's see. Let's see what I can. <clears throat> I can bridge here, but <clears throat> um, can't. Well, hear you me. Somebody talk amongst with, yourselves. We'll talk. So, so now, ch- ch- chaps and chapesses and everything in between. Has anything happened today? I mean, I missed. Uh, there was something happening earlier today, and, I, uh, and there, there was a lot <laughs> of people. Mm, did it? And was mm, it anything? Uh, I had a delivery of socks. Ooh, I ate some kind of socks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's the exciting news. Oh, exciting news! Yes, we're getting stuff back that we yes. asked for, and we didn't really want to take it away in the first place. But thank you very much. For... And more stuff besides, because they're actually thinking it through and actually putting some effort into it, which is yeah. fantastic. Mm. But we may, yeah, we right. may. We may now have a bridged. Um, have we got? Have we got? Can you guys hear me? Have we got a bridged off yet? Nope. No, he can't nope. hear anything from me either. Okay, well, I'm pushing the. I changed the wrong button. So yes, well, I'm trying to patch us into the Pilots Federation, but um, let's see if he I can't can hear do... us say nice things about him. So we... let's hurry up and get that bit out of the way. We are slick. <laughs> I told we? you we should have ah, used in-game chat. Okay, yeah. he can hear us again oh, yeah. now. Okay. I may I'm, have to I'm, relay I'm his ready. talk. We can Ooh. hear him back. We can hear you. You can, okay, well, in which case, we can we can now hear the Pilots' Federation representative officially on Hutton Orbital Radio. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Thanks for having me. So late. Well, no, thank you for sort of jumping off the uh, the live stream uh, that you were doing earlier that we were all tuned into and um, yeah, coming along to, to join us for a, a bit of banter. You missed all of the exciting news articles in Hutton Orbital Radio this week. Was there something happened? Like, what? what? Has there been an update? Is stuff happening early? No, there's, there's, there's been a lot of speculation in the news. And I think you referred oh, to it a okay. little bit during your live stream about whether it is the Canon Interstellar new brand Thargoid biscuits that were actually um, <clears throat> detonated and therefore caused these stations <laughs> to get green goo all over them. Well, I didn't. I, I don't want to give spoilers away, but it's more to do. It's not that this don't detonate themselves, it's just after they pass through the. System, uh, they um, react in a certain way. 
Yeah, okay. Um, but no, I mean, it was obviously the first thing for us to say is uh, introduce you properly. So um, uh, we say you're the representative for the Pilots Federation, but you're, you're actually Arthur, aren't you, from, uh, from Frontier? I'm indeed. I'm Arthur, the community manager for Frontier Developments. And um, we're blaming you entirely for the resurrection of Galnet News and obviously for your news earlier about the CGs coming back, which Flossie is particularly excited about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I, I'm not going to shy away and say I take sole blame. It's not. It's the entire team. In fairness, um, we've we've all worked really hard to get these back. We know how important they are. Um, I've only been with Frontier for ten weeks. No, long that's wow, long that's it's thirteen weeks. Sorry, thirteen weeks. Um, but I've been a fan of Elite for years, so we know how important these have been. So it just took us a little while to make sure they came back in a meaningful way. Yeah, we, we did do our research and delve back through the Hutton archives and spotted a namesake of yours, um, <clears throat> having been a Hutton trucker in the past as well. Uh, and, well, it's quite possible. Um, I, I did I did jump. I still have redeemed my code actually for the for the mug. I must do that. I've been so busy. Um, but yes, uh, also the, the odd post from back in the day, sort of around the time we were doing convoys against the dastardly Don, Don, and uh, the, the odd pop up from from a, a pilots federation, well, a current pilots federation member who shares a name with you, shall we say? But um, so yeah, I mean, we're all really excited about it coming back. Obviously, um, here at Hutton Orbital Radio, uh, we we broadcast the real news from in the galaxy, um, and obviously mm-hmm. part of that is we've got the Galnet News Digest from Commander Wotherspoon, who for the last ninety three days has had to run his powerful people. Um, to, giving sort of introspectives into the various powers. And he's been running the Encyclopedia Galactica in the meantime, talking about the various corporations out there. But of course, he's had to drop yeah. everything now to get back to the Galnet News, which we understand is going to be updated quite frequently now that they, all of the um, reporters have been released from their incarceration. Uh, yes. Um, one of the things we to on the, on the stream was uh, this is definitely isn't a fashion of pan. Um, there will be articles on a very frequent basis. Um so stay tuned. Like the next one will be very, very soon. So I mean, we, there were rumours that obviously the Federation had, had imprisoned all the news, you know, the news writers that were out there, the government news writers. And it turns out that it coincidentally there was an explosion on board Imperial stations, and then mysteriously all the news readers come back. So we're going to be blaming the Empire for all of this. I mean, they, it sounds like a sound, a sound reason to blame them. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or blame TJ, but, you know, he is the blame magnet usually for, for most things. Um, and Ben, as a sort of chat, you normally blame TJ, so I'm going to go with blame TJ. And we know you, um, oh, actually, we've got a couple of announcements to make during the show. Obviously, because you've just dialed in from your, your fleet carrier, wherever it is at the moment, you've, you've not um, you've not been watching what else is in the script. But you did wish somebody a happy birthday today during the live stream, and we'd like to wish yes. that person a happy birthday as well. I'm assuming you remember who it is. Zulu Romeo, yeah. Yeah, Zulu Romeo. So, um, yes, we, we'd love to wish Zulu Romeo, who's one of our favourite regular Hutton truckers and attendees at ECM and LaveCon and everything, a, a very, very happy birthday from all of your friends. Yes, happy birthday. And thanks, thanks for the support. Like, I try so hard to, um, to, to get these shouts out when I can, but like today's chat was, was going crazy. But happy birthday. Hope you had a great one. Yeah, no, Hadji is um, one of one of our favourite people, and and he's always around at the events. You know, usually found in a corner talking to Flossie or uh, playing games with the rest of us. Um, so the other thing is, aren't you familiar with what a CCCG is? 
CCCG. Yeah, CCCG. Because um, hopefully you'll be able to stay around for a couple of minutes and listen yes, to course. our declaration. Well, in the absence of um, nine-month absence of, of CGs, obviously Flossie, as Queen of the Community Goals, has been able to declare certain community events as a community-created community goal, or a CCCG. Okay and okay um which is what we've been doing for nine months in the absence of these things so we're really looking forward to having something back sometime soon an official one yeah um but we have declared the current disaster a cccg um <laughs> so um and intarius fusion and the uh, the hut and helper is now live with tracking as through the hut and helper of all the rescue efforts and I noticed during your live stream we did see also um was it was it psychic was saying am I still top and the answer was yes. Psychic is still the top rescuer. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I've, I've been watching a few people um, do um, rescues on certain stations. Um, I did mention I watched Malik. Um, he's just, I don't know how to describe his flying. It's incredible. Um, as I said in the stream, I did attempt to fly a beluga into a station, and I did fly into a station quite literally. Um, <laughs> so it was so you it that smashed two of them, wasn't it? <laughs> Say again, sorry. It was you that smashed two of them, wasn't it? It wasn't actually an attack. It was it was dodgy docking. It, it was me. It was me practicing. It started out with just one attack, but after three practices, I was like, "Well, we'll leave it there and let Bruce and let Bruce fly." Uh, actually, just glancing at our our tracker at the moment, uh, Psychit has been pushed into second place. Hojo the Fool is now in first place on the rescues with three thousand and sixty six souls rescued from those burning stations, which is wow. a cracking total. Uh, that's yeah. about two cutter loads, isn't it? Um, uh, Psychic's in second place, and actually a total by Hutton so far since this started of 14,514 passengers rescued. It's a, it's, a, it's a fair old number. Yeah. Obviously, it things are the... But it is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we do still also hold the speed record, and I'm boasting again, uh, for the fastest rescue from um, loading a passenger on to docking and unloading them. Of uh, Did we get it down to 88 seconds? From well, you're, saying, week. Week. you're, saying, yeah. you're being you're being too modest there. I'm being you? very modest there. Yes, <laughs> we had a, we had a competition um, last year to try and uh, rescue people where we were sort of um, speed tuning eagles and all sorts to try and see how fast you could get one person off a burning station. And what was, sorry, what was the ship you used? It was the Imperial Eagle, well tuned up. Yep. And yeah, 88 seconds from lift off to touchdown. That's really cool. Admittedly, the other sort of, you know, 200,000 people saying, what are you doing this in an Eagle for? And I had to admit I was, yeah, <clears throat> racing. I mean, in fairness, I did mention that we sat outside that station for about three hours, making sure that we had the perfect shot from the start of the stream. And well, did, hours your camera work I mean, it, yeah i mean just watching that beluga coming through the the docking slot there with you you just sort of sat there with your external camera watching him do all the hard work um yeah it was it was an impressive shot though right up until the camera decides it doesn't want to play anymore because it got stuck in yeah. the coast rack yeah I, I wasn't really paying i was trying to look at chat i was like i can definitely find the camera and look at chat at the same time and realize quite rapidly i couldn't but um, so, yeah, we're, we're obviously, as Hutton does, getting on with all the rescue operation that's going on at the moment. And we're going to be and I think you spotted a few of the, the tweets and Twittering that we put up earlier, um, encouraging people I, to go and lend a hand. I did. Thank you very much for that. Um, so, so hopefully we'll get everybody out of there soon and we can get back to fixing them. We did courtesy of Mr. Shouty. Oh, was, when was it? Was it last year? Was it the year before? It was last year, the 10 in 10, wasn't it, guys? Last year, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we attempted to uh, repair 10 stations in 10 days, 
Um, we did actually manage to repair eight stations in ten days, but one of them twice because it got burnt again. Um, oh, so, well, in, in so nine. Yeah, we, we said eight. We were being fair about it. We said we we fixed eight in in ten days, yeah, which is that's which is impressive. Yeah. Um, so just don't set fire to any more until we fix these ones because that was really stressful. <laughs> <laughs> that was... No promises. Yeah, uh, but we can tell you're going to because any as as any good GM will tell you, Amelia, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind that kind of event happening is you just line it up ready for the the players, don't you? <laughs> well, is yeah, it, but it, you, that, there's a lot of stuff happening. You line it up ready for the players, so that doesn't mean they're going to take the bite. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we could all just ignore this, uh, ignore this, and just get on with you know salty behaviour on the forums, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh no, we're not allowed to talk about that with guests, on, are we? Um, well, look, um, we need to move on with the show a tiny bit, but obviously, there's a couple of bits we can always ask you the odd question. Does anybody else have any questions for Arthur while he's here um, about any of this exciting news? I know Commander Wotherspoon is just going wee on the chat channel on Twitch. <laughs> I think he's skipping as well. Does anybody else have any questions for Arthur while we've got him captive? Well, I've got to no, say, I just looks, want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. Looks yeah. great, and I'm really excited to take part in it. Thank you. Spot yeah. on. Thanks very much. Oh, welcome, no. What was that, Flossie? You want him to spill the beans? I can't wait for next, on... next week, CG. You want him to spill the beans on the next CG? <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> yeah, she did. I heard that. It was, it, was, it was like a blood pact between us all. We swore we'd never give it up. Not one of us could ever give any information out, so I, I, I won't. I mean, I will be one of the first to know we've been in the CG moderate this bit but <laughs> <laughs> well then yeah you probably will be then yes yes <laughs> well I, I tell you what um if you're okay i mean unless you're sort of got a burning desire to be anywhere else like escaping from a burning station we've actually got coming up um, a section that you might find of interest which is our first return galnet news digest um in a minute okay. so if you're around to listen to that and the audio is okay with you then um i'm going to hand over to the rest of the team so they can uh, introduce it we've got a song coming up first from the community then the galnet news digest and then we've obviously got flossie's cccc intro you're welcome to stay for as long as you like and feel free to join in with uh, any banter you like but if you do have to scarper just you know let us know um sure I'll hang around for a little while yeah okay well i'm going to hand over to the team to go oh no we have we have a question from the community uh, from Lave Radio, Eddie Lee Wise from Lave Radio. Um, so yep. it's a quick question for you. Have you ever been a GM for role-playing games in the past? I have not been a GM. Um, I have been in many, many uh, D&D sessions. I've never been a GM. Not like, No, I haven't. I've run events and I've, I've done other stuff, but not a full, not a full campaign. All right. No, I was just a bit of random question from the audience there. No, okay. no, it's fine. Um, I'm, I'll hand over to um, to Commander Palantir to introduce the the song on the next bit, and um, yeah, enjoy. We're putting on our formal evening wear, ready to listen to the erudition from Commander Wotherspoon. So to prepare us mentally and to calm us down from the excitement of the news that we've just been discussing, we've got one of our more gentle numbers. As a child, did you dream of exploring the Milky Way? Make your dreams into reality now and join the first great expedition. Till dawn here 
Galnet News Digest, 10th of September 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Prismatic Princess spiked by a marlin. The world in your visor. The competition gets a kicking. Three-year mission ends and the cannon challenge starts. Prismatic Princess spiked by a marlin. An obscure neo-republican movement has claimed responsibility for a series of strikes against Imperial starports this morning. The four starports, Mackenzie Relay, Tsiolkovsky Terminal, Garrido Market and Muller Terminal, were attacked in the early hours with what appears to have been large quantities of high-grade explosives. Damage surveys have revealed extensive fires, venting of gases into space and significant structural damage, together with an as-yet-unexplained green substance spattered over many external surfaces. Initial reports were that these were renewed Thargoid attacks, and indeed the Thargoid alerting system responded by posting requests for assistance for the affected starports. Shortly after the attacks had taken place, the Imperial Internal Security Service said that a previously obscure terrorist group called the Neo-Marlinist Liberation Army had claimed responsibility. Taking their name from the founder of the Republic of Achenar, who is believed by many to have been murdered by her brother Henson, the first emperor, Marlinists are a political movement campaigning for an elected Senate to replace the current imperial system. Neo-Marlinists are the terrorist wing of this largely provincial movement. If their claim to have committed these acts of terrorism are true, it's unclear how a fringe organisation such as the NMLA could have acquired such large quantities of explosive, and how they could have been placed and detonated without being detected by the station security and the IISS. The unexplained green goo on external surfaces of the damaged starports has led to questions about whether this may not have been a terror attack, but may have instead been a coordinated attack by Thargoids. Backing up this theory, increased Thargoid activity has been noted in the Pleiades sector this week. However, there has been no reported Thargoid activity within the inhabited bubble for more than a year, and the authorities are playing this theory down. All of the attacked starports are under the control of members of the Duval family. Most directly impacted is Blue Rince Princess, Ashling Duval, whose flagship station Mackenzie Relay in Semias has been badly damaged. The Imperial High Command has issued an appeal for all commanders to assist with the rescue and repair effort. Rescue platforms have been stationed close to each of the affected starports to assist with this effort. 
The IISS is reported to be mobilising to locate and neutralise the terrorist threat. The world in your visor. Remlock Industries has clarified how their planetary excursion suits will work when launched early next year. Some commanders wear three-dimensional enhancement units to improve their spatial awareness. However, unlike flying a spaceship or driving an SRV or other surface vehicle, which allows you to look around and see three-dimensional images, the excursion suits will be fitted with tiny flat screens onto which will be projected an image of the world outside. This image will be two-dimensional and will be the same for everyone walking around. This will, of course, only have an impact on commanders who wear 3D enhancers, and comes as a welcome relief to those who were worried their 3D enhancers wouldn't work at all on planets with atmospheres. There's still lots to find out about the odyssey we're embarking on. We will not currently be able to walk through our ships on the way to the disembarkation point, but we will be able to walk inside stations to meet the inhabitants, buy supplies and take on missions. Brewer Corporation has been keen to point out that the places that can be explored on foot will include locations in space as well as on planets, and looks forward to welcoming visitors to take a tour of a Coriolis starport. For the very first time, this might be that chance you've been waiting for, to load 700 tonnes of performance enhancers into your ship's hold by hand. While planetary permits are initially being extended to planets with thin atmospheres only, the Pilots' Federation has said that it's keen to extend the permits to planets with thicker atmospheres during the Odyssey. And perhaps sometime in the future, commanders with 3D enhancers will be able to experience the full majesty of walking about on a planetary surface. The competition gets a kicking. The Pilots' Federation, which managed to stage a virtual LaveCon this year despite pestilence, famine and a plague of trumbles, has boasted of its success in getting the new Galactic Order off the ground and operational by pointing out that not all galaxies have been quite so successful. The galaxy of a forthcoming unnamed space game, which started funding way back in the 2900s, is expected to enter an early access beta sometime before the end of the current century, and currently consists of a single star system created at one-sixth actual scale. The Pilots' Federation spokesperson sounded slightly smug as he put the boot into the unnamed game. But of course, this is slightly unfair. The Pilots' Federation has the benefit of having the real galaxy to work within, whereas the game has to create all the planets inside a computer. Three-year mission ends and the cannon challenge starts. As the Canon Research megaship the Gnosis returns to port for the last time before being converted into a tour bus, Canon Interstellar has created a challenge to scan every type of life, every geological feature, everything of interest in the entire galaxy. 
All the space pumpkins of all the colours. All the spiky things you find in Lagrange clouds. All the anemones and brain trees and things that get cross and attack you when you flash your ship lights. All the things. They've made it easy by publishing all the locations and an entire route to follow. All you need to do is follow the route, scanning and taking photographs as you go. There is one little snag. The route covers a distance of over 500,000 light years, which is around one-fifth of the way to the Andromeda Galaxy. If you take a screenshot of each system with interesting things, and if you write an interesting report of what you did on your holidays, you might even win a prize. So, as Canon says, dust off your anorak, fill your thermos, and take the trip of a lifetime that will mark you as an elite cannoneer. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we have nothing to announce at this time. Thank you, Commander Wotherspoon. Who knew there was so much to learn? To give the higher parts of your brain a short rest after all that education, we've got another of our sketches from the archive, and then we'll have another chat with our Pilots Federation representative whilst we've still got him tied down in the comfy chair. So, so Arthur. Yes. Obviously, I, I'm, I'm, you're definitely going to guarantee us you've listened to the Galnet News Digest before and the, the mellifluous tones of Commander Wotherspoon. 100%. Hundred um, percent. Uh, what do you reckon on his his take on the news in the galaxy? Uh, pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation, though. Yeah, obviously. Sure the, uh, we know nothing the, yet. The effect. But obviously, this. I mean, feeding this machine that is Commander Wotherspoon is one of the reasons why we were so eager to have the actual uh, the Galnet news itself back. Because I know the the Galnet audio is fantastic in your cockpit while you're flying, but it it's just not the same as Commander Wotherspoon. I mean, who could compete with Commander Wotherspoon? Um, but he will have plenty to eat, so oh, yes. he will not go hungry. Digestion will be will be uh, working overtime for the next few months, we'd, we'd imagine. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, but um, obviously all that speculation. I mean, the, the, the team from Canon Interstellar, LCU, no fool like one, and the team from Canon Interstellar are good friends of Hutton Orbital, and of course it all feeds the tinfoil hattery that goes on as well, the trying to decode everything and see if there are secret signals hidden under your messages and all sorts. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing we enjoy. I mean, what one of the reasons it took so long for us to get this organised is we really wanted to make a, a, a proper cohesive story that people would be able to speculate, talk about, investigate, try and find a solution to, and hopefully we can surprise and delight on the way. That's yeah. the plan. I mean, some of the some of the most fun we've had over the, the preceding years. I mean, decoding the Thargoid bits and finding signals and all sorts. You know, all that kind of tinfoil hatchery. Even the the gnosis when it um, when the Thargoids attacked it and then they left their auto defence on and it was all going pear shaped. That was actually incredibly good fun. Um, Commander Motherspoon was involved in that one as well. He was on the deck of it when he took off uh, briefly, as I understand, and then promptly blew up. Um, and then laughed himself silly for a while because LCU had left the uh, left the auto cannons on the Gnosis. It all lends itself to some great fun events, and that's what Hutton's all about: yeah. is obviously um, crafting events, but also sort of turning this news into something to go and do. 
if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, we, we want players to, um, or, or pilots, sorry, to, 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 to go to these events, experiences, and create their own moments. And that's the, that's the thing that bonds pilots. Once you do something together or you share an experience, it, it's unique to you, but it's, it's incredible when it's shared with others. And it just, oh, yeah, it I mean, just shows and, what's yeah, I mean PWP, I mean, that, that's Hutton's ethos, player with player. Um, yeah. Even if the with involves shooting each other for a lark, it's still with other people. So uh, yes. yeah, Hutton's all about the, the PWP, unless you're Welsh and mispronounce it, in which case it sounds rude. <laughs> um, right, I'm, I'm just going to check in with Commander Ventura. Commander Ventura, have you have you beaten the um, the decks back into shape there? Apparently, Ooh, we, no, don't we don't have the correct one in there. We don't. No. Which I thought that was the right one. That was. <clears throat> was I, the, I thought so. Sketch one. That was the right one. Yes, that was Commander Deathlock, wasn't it? Not this time. Oh, right. It's not. Well, I tell you what. Um, if we, if we, we'll skip over that one anyway because we've got plenty to talk about. Um, and just for for Arthur's delectation, we, we're going to head over to um, Commander Flossy, I think, and we'll yeah, we uh, have, we'll skip we, over we, the sketch. We do have a we do have a, a, a question a question from our listener. There, yes. In the script uh, from from uh, one of our Antipodean listeners, Funky Abigail. Uh, Great player. The question for Arthur: Has Frontier ever considered having a showing at PAX? It's super rad, and I presume that's some kind of young person speak for nice to see some of the team at PAX Australia. Um, oh, how do I answer this? Yes, we'd love to go to PAX. Um, it has been considered. It is being considered. I can't. I can't say. It's, it, I mean, it's it's not my pay grade to discuss that. But yes, it is being considered, and we'd love to be there. Yeah, obviously at the moment nobody's travelling anywhere, which makes it a bit of a moot point. <laughs> yeah. We're all, we're all stuck at stuck at home, staring out the window, wondering when we can go back out again. I'm, um, not, I'm staying in. Oh, you're staying in, are you? <laughs> all right. Um, so, shall we? Shall we? Shall we move down to Flossie? It's, it's up to our, mm. our our producer Norman whether 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 he wants to mash a button or should we? Should we go for Flossie's uh, special tune and resurrect it and all cheer and sing along? Go on then. Let's go to Flossie. Yeah, our light is out. <laughs> It's Flossie It's Flossie It's Flossie It's Flossie And the community goes Hello, Flossie here with this week's CCCC yeah, CCCG News. <laughs> Although this is not an official CG from the Pilots Federation, it is a call for help from them, and that's good enough for us. So we're classing this as a CCCG, and next week we're told to expect to see a formal CG. Following a series of explosions, the Empire has put out of order for has put out an order for evacuation ships and repair materials for the Mackenzie Relay Station in Princess Ashling Duval's home system of Simias, Solothis Terminal in the Gabjorgi system, Garrido Market in the LHS 4031 system and Muller Terminal in the RAB system. Commanders can evacuate refugees from the incident to the on-site rescue ship. Repair materials will be needed once the evacuation is complete, though from previous repair efforts we expect basic meds, HE suits, evac shelters and clothing to be in high demand. 
the faster we complete the evacuations, the lower the damage is likely to be. The Alvin's Mercy is on site at Garrido Market in the LHS 4031 system and has shipyard, outfitting for passenger cabins and plenty of heat sinks <laughs> and 3k of basic meds on board plus small medical supplies that they don't need. If the evacuations and repairs of Garrido Market are completed early, the Hutton team will move to the next system to help the evil squadron with their repair target. Make sure you have the Hutton helper installed and we will track your progress. You can see the current state by going to hot.forthemug.com slash current-events slash terrorist-attacks slash or just go to hot.forthemug.com and click on the current events tab. And I can't tell you how fantastic it feels to be able to say once more that we have a community goal coming next week. And that's this week's community goal news. Flossie told you what to do. Thank you, Flossie. It's an absolute privilege to be able to hear you say those words. They bring a tingle to my spine. Now I know how I'm going to feel when they finally say, it's okay to go down the Hutton bar with all your mates. It's the Hutton Sports Report next, read by Hutton's very own apology officer. And that's coming up right after this short message. And now, it's time for a quick peek behind the curtain. A series showing the lives of our radio crew when they're away from Studio 5. This time, it's Wilma Fingerdo. When not engaged in whipping the crew into shape, or trying to negotiate a particularly tasty tongue twister, Wilma likes nothing better than knitting life-size replicas of famous erotic heroes of history. Assuming she's got enough wool in the right colour, of course. We remember one day in particular, she was due to make an entire Greek chorus, complete with woolly appendages that could do double duty in a game that Wilma renamed as Dick Quoits. When a galactic wool emergency led to a shortage of balls, which in turn led to a shortage of balls, and meant that the display had to be renamed Greek Men in the Winter. But still, she means well. Wilma is also proud of her inventiveness when in the kitchen. What she can do with a small packet of glacier cherries and a can of squirty cream would make your eyes water. There is a plaque on the wall of Studio 5 that commemorates the day that Wilma brought in a two-metre-tall tower of biscuits. Held together with sugar ribbons, filled with cream, oozing with a gallon of chocolate sauce, that Wilma entitled dessert for one. Only for disaster to strike, as the apology officer took one of the biscuits from the bottom and disappeared under a pile of sweet suffocation, the faint cry of, sorry. Not many people know this, but Wilma actually has an entry in the Guinness Book of Galactic Records for the largest collection of 2H pencils that had been hand-sharpened using a giant battle-axe. 
The record came about by accident, when her wife asked her to justify having the ancient weapon on her nightstand. And we're back. Yes, we're going to take a, a, a quick interval there before we move on to the next bit, just to say uh, hello again, uh, thank you, and then goodbye to our representative from the Pilots' Federation. So uh, as his uh, ship, I think, is passing passing a black hole and we're going to get interference again soon. So, uh, Arthur, are you still there? I'm still there, and thank you very, very much for having me on. I'm sorry I was late, um, and I promise to come on properly. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> Well, no problem at all. It wasn't I mean, me. It wasn't me. <laughs> that, I mean, that that um, that stream must have been a stressful because you were obviously you're quite invested in it going well, and um, you put a lot of work in. So yeah, we we know how much work goes into these kind of broadcasts, and you've got the whole weight of the company behind you there as well. So um, we we understand fully, and it's not a problem at all. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, just checking whether we had any any other questions for Arthur before we go. Yeah, sure. Any final question? No, no. I've got one. Oh, oh, go on. Oh, I've got one. I was just going to ask Arthur: Is there anything in the the upcoming uh, story arcs that you don't know about that's going to be a surprise for you? Oh, good question. Um, no. Okay. No, there isn't. <laughs> I I know what's coming. Um, oh. as I said in the stream, I I know everything in detail up to, to for six months. I know the Don't entire me- the the overarc for twenty two. Mm-hmm. Then will be bits that will will come in, but I will be part of that, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'll try and keep a wee surprise for yourself somewhere. <laughs> I probably will. I mean, <laughs> hopefully someone will do something. I Obviously, don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this, for me, I think the surprise will come from how the players react to what we put in, because it'll be stuff yeah. we expect players to do, but always players surprises. So, emergent gameplay. <laughs> oh, yes, those those words. Yeah. Emotions, yeah, um, and, and obviously, you know, we're, as as a player yourself, um, you know, obviously, you've got this as a job, but um, and you've got to say yes to this. So it's a really foolish question, but you're looking forward to actually doing some of it yourself, even though you know what's coming. You're actually looking forward to taking part a bit uh, and joining in oh, some yeah. of the shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, hugely. I mean, I, I've, I've been playing Elite before I joined Frontier, so yes, I'm very much looking forward to getting back in and, and getting involved in. The stories of the CGs and the double weekends, and and particularly for me as a personal favourite, some of the seasonal events we've got sort of on the cards and hoping to pull off. And um, so yes, absolutely, I'm looking forward to that sort of stuff. Okay, well, look, um, obviously, uh, and you've been you've been working remotely, um, I assume, since almost since your appointment, haven't you? Because the uh, everybody's offices are all still a little bit locked down. Um, but yes, um, I've, been to, I've, been, I've been to Frontier four or five times now. They've sort of relaxed the rules. Um, I did a stream from the actual studio last week um but it's very tough because in order to lose studio you need a certain amount of people and there just there just isn't that amount of people in 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 the in the office and yeah i mean it's it's a it's a big old space there and obviously the space bar on the, the ground floor must feel a bit uh eerie with it all being empty as well but um it's and obviously, strange, yeah it just, last, reopened. it just reopened though oh it has well um look, yes. last last one um before you go then a uh, very, very final one obviously you have been party to you know the don's dastardly machinations back in the Back in his his own system, and um, have been shamelessly plugging uh, some of the the other new releases for the Hutton Games Room that we might be installing okay. in the Hutton Games Room for people to play when they're not flying their real life spaceships, of course. Um, but yeah. do you want us to give us the short, short version of the the exciting new releases, the real the real 
pithy short ones. What from Frontier? Yeah, absolutely, because. Oh, absolutely, yes. So, I mean, if you want to play as a conjoined head with arms, there is, of course, the incredibly fun struggling, um, which you may have witnessed Bruce and I trying to demonstrate. Um, and if you like your old-time classics, then obviously we announced um, that Rollercoaster Tycoon 3 is the, the complete edition. It's coming to Steam and Switch. And we also announced uh, Lemnis Gate, which is a real interesting game and i hope people get past to sort of take a look at it it's a, it's a turn-based first place first person shooter in a 25 second time loop that's really hard to understand oh no we covered really it we covered it in the cool. news um, last week and explained what a lemnis cut loop was and all sorts we went into the science yeah. we all got a bit heavy last week on the on the science okay. yeah <laughs> Basically, it's a game for our time. Yeah. Yes, it's definitely a game for our time with people's attention spans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Suitable for your average forum. Well, look, Arthur, thank you very much. I know you've got a scarper now, so um, we'll say farewell and for the mug, and hopefully we'll have you on the show uh, at some point in the future when you're not sort of crazy launching Galnet News and CGs upon us. Absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. Right, and farewell. See you later. Take care, guys. Bye. For the mug. Bye. For the mug. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and the telephone call has ended yeah we had to bodge a piece of damp string there over to over to his his ship which was in sort of outside the station floating there so uh um sound quality i'm hoping it was okay that everybody could hear him just about mm. yeah no, it seemed i right. think he was having a shocking time hearing us but um no he actually um, sent us a message just as we were going on air saying right i'm free now of course we were mid news at that point and we had to leave a door locked so terribly and despite sorry. appearances, we do pay attention to what we're doing. <laughs> Was the door locked in case anyone tried to get out? <laughs> well, yeah, then we're all stuck in here till next week. Right, well, in which case, I'm going to resume sort of normal service now and hand back to the, the co-presenters there. Um, so, yeah, please uh, do uh, take it away, Norman. Hello, Apology Officer here. I'm sorry that I'm not flossy, but she did have something exciting to talk about, so she delegated this one to me. I'm reporting on the prowess of our finest pilots and the galaxy's oddest sports, brought to you by the Hutton Helper, the only helper in the galaxy that helps you win a Hutton decal. This week's unlikely events are the Galaxy Challenge one-person long-distance relay, the Hutton Trucking Tower of Hanoi Cup, the All Comers Pledge Quest Medal, the Taste of Paradise Trophy, the Formula ED Playoffs, and we've news of Hutton's mo- Hutton Mother Trucker Endurance Time Trials. First, on, first in the Galaxy Challenge, one person long distance relay, Hojo the Fool spent most of the race, most of the race neck and neck with Chatter Mage, but last minute a burst of speed. So the tape broken by Hojo the Fool, a comfortable lead separating them from Matt Shattermage. The Hutton Trucking Tower of Tanoi Cup, in which contestants have to move objects from one location to another and back again until they have managed to make a recognisable shape of Alvin's paw from their pile of cargo, was easily won by Mindwipe, leaving a photo and finish for the second and third places to Stevie Spaceweed and Sarota respectively. The All Comers Pledge Quest Medal was unfortunately called off as all the contestants had notes from their mums. The Taste of Paradise Bountiful Trophy was yet again taken by Alex Zuno, 
which means that he gets his name engraved on the trophy, which he can display alongside his decal that he collected last week. The Formula ED playoffs really did not show us the full potential of the sport this week, as Joshua Maser romped home with 2,354, leaving freaky eyes and poltergeist screaming at him as he lapped them for the third time. In summary, the classified results are as follows. Hojo the Fool, 93,000. Shatter Mage, 77,000. Mindwipe, 45,000. Everyone else, much, much less. Alex Zuno, with over 201 million. Rest of the galaxy, must try harder. Joshua Maser, 2,354. Freaky Eyes, 842. And Big Daddy beat Giant Haystacks by a technical knockout. The Hutton Mother Trucker Endurance Time Trials that have still yet to produce a hero that can stand up to our veteran Brett Riverboat at 1 hour 22 minutes 31 seconds. But we'd like to commend Chris Zander, Sticky Winnets, and Yuri Klemkan for their brave efforts and hope that they continue to improve. And who knows, maybe someone will be able to force Mr. Riverboat out of retirement to defend his score. That's all for this week's sport news. Could the winners of, who do not already have a Hutton decal please contact the race organisers to get their Hutton colouring book? Remember, if you want to start your training regimen in the right way, go to hot.forthemug.com and download or register for the Hutton helper. And who knows, next week it could be your name on that list. And oh, we, we, we're back again, right? Um, that, that that was the sports report. We've done the bits about. I'm, I'm just sort of <clears throat> coiling string under the desk there from having uh, dispatched uh, dispatched our guest. Right. Um, what does it say in our script here? Who's supposed to be saying that? Is it? Is it? Is it? Um, is it, is it young Commander Rampage? Rampage? Really? Go on then, Commander Rampage. It's it's you now. Me? Will it be? Yeah. Ah, yes. No, you've got to keep up with the script. It changes. Well, I, it changes I, thought I, I thought I had. <laughs> Just after sport outro with your name on it. Oh, I've got it. Yeah, sorry, it. really sorry. Yeah, I've got it. Highlights flashed it. There we go. It'll be fine in the edit. Seamless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. seamless. Thank you. That explains nice. the graffiti I saw that said, "If you're looking for a good spot, go and see Mia." To give you time to settle your stomachs before the whirlwind of sensual attack that is the Galnet Food Digest, we pause for a word from our sponsors. I saw a lot of Thargoid body parts in the galley the other day. I asked Dr. Arcanon what were they for? To put on top of my new Thargoid resin jam biscuits, of course, he said. Glossy Thargoid resin jam, layered between traditional shortbread biscuit with a big blob of glossy jam poking through the top. Rather spicy, don't you think? They are very. But then, Dr. Arcanon always does make perfectly adequate biscuits. Subject to availability, choking hazards may cause hull breach if improperly stored, not recommended for human consumption, may result in hyperspace conduit instability and Thargoid attacks. Canon Interstellar accepts no liability for any loss or damage from storing or consuming this product. 
Good evening. This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Gullnet Food Digest. I try the galaxy's most rare and dangerous foods, so you don't have to. This week, we're heading to the Neritus system, more specifically to Toll Ring, and from there to the planet below. As with many rare goods, the eponymous berries of the Neritus system are grown and harvested on a nearby Earth-like world. In this case, they grow in the lush polar rainforests of the planet A5, simply and rather unimaginatively called Neritus by the locals. Whilst Neritus is very similar to Earth in terms of size, length of a year or day, it's a blisteringly hot world with equatorial temperatures reaching far beyond the limits of human survival. The entire planet has temperatures that sit at an average of 50 Kelvin above Earth's meaning the sweeping deserts of the middle latitudes are arid places, broken by vast expanses of rock. With little running surface water in these regions, wind and sand provide the erosion, giving the planet eerie, weather-worn rock formations. When, and if it does, rain, the storms are immense and flash flooding is common. Head up to the polar regions, however, and the temperatures are around 40 degrees lower, allowing an abundance of animal and plant life to flourish. It's at the fringe of this lush area that the bizarre Neritus berry bushes grow. In spring, with groundwater abundant, they grow long thorny tendrils which keep throughout the summer months and which wither and die in autumn leaving behind bundles of small, translucent red berries. This all sounds very similar to brambles back on Earth and fond memories of foraging in late summer and early autumn. There is, however, one very big difference. If you look closely at the vicious-looking thorns, they're strong, but hollow, and point inward. Look a little closer at the plant, and strewn around the base of it, you can see the bones of unsuspecting herbivores who have strayed too close. The heart of the plant has juicy-looking leaves. The Neritus berry bush is, in fact, a carnivorous plant. In summer months, when the water is more scarce, it's found an abundant source, passing wildlife. They come to graze on the leaves, get caught in the thorny bramble, which excretes a sedative, and then they're slowly and surely drained of their vital fluids to sustain the plant. Not surprisingly, the berries themselves are quite different from the tasty sweet morsels you find in hedgerows. The berries are filled with the blood plasma of the plant's victims, surrounding a single seed. Once the thorns wither and die, the plants attract local carnivores who engage in a vampiric orgy, quite literally gorging themselves on the vital fluids of herbivores without the need to actually catch them. The berries do still have a mild sedative effect, causing the carnivores to fall into deep sleeps after their meal. Humanity has cultivated special varieties of this bush, feeding them on particular fresh meats throughout the spring, 
The Neritus bacon berry is a particular snack favourite, each berry popping with a satisfying but delicious porky burst of flavour. The chicken gravy variety is sought after by Sunday roast aficionados. Many exotics have been tried, including the Neritus lobster bisque, which in itself, given the hard shell of the source creature, takes months of care to adequately grow and feed. Aside from uses as food, the plants are often grown in bonsai form by mafia heads, feeding them from their own hand, quite literally, every day. Thus giving them a handy nearby source of DNA and blood plasma in case of emergencies. Plants that go the full Seymour are often used to dispose of enemies and of course, a little prick can be all it takes to frame someone at a crime scene. Film studios use these berries for those action shots where actually perforating your billion dollar lead actor or actress isn't the done thing, with demand high for historical war epics. I've been given a jar of berries to taste and the flavour is something quite special. These have been fed on traditional Angus cattle and the beefiness when you bite into one is intense. As soon as any gravy or dripping, it's as good as any gravy or dripping from a roast. Once you get over the gruesome source of the berries, the culinary uses are obvious, from canapes to an interesting twist on a cocktail garnish. They're rare because they're dangerous. To cultivate them, you need to have herds that you're willing to drive into the bushes. You need to be heartless, but... For those who can stomach the carnage and the waste, the riches that await from the harvest are well worth it. Next week, we are continuing the carnivorous theme and visiting Baltasine system to try their vacuum krill, an exceedingly rare life form that exists in the cold of space. I'm Amelia Hawke, and that was the Galnet Food Digest. I've got to go and find a cloth as I've got Neritus lamberry juices running down my chin and I look like I'm dressed for Halloween. back thank you very much to amelia and now we're going to get all <clears throat> well serious and sensible no that was serious and sensible those plants sound vicious amelia i know don't they just i mean you look at this world and it is what 300 and 350 kelvin so it's about 50 kelvin uh, hotter than than planet earth around the middle of it so you've got these vast expanses of dry dusty areas and then up where we would have polar ice caps of course the temperatures are sort of uh, 40 degrees colder on average so which, which you, is still warm it is still warm but so you've got these tropical rainforests and right at the verges of these vicious vicious bushes that will have you i mean they'll they'll have you and then you become a tasty morsel for whoever manages to get the berries yeah, I mean, I, we, we do use them. Uh, Cecil uses them as a, as a garnish on some of his cocktails, and it it adds an entirely new sort of mental image of the flavour when you realise that you know a couple of these berries on top of a I don't know a dirty hobra or something you know adds that little bit of bacon seasoning to your cocktail. <laughs>
And I love the idea of, you know, you know feed it different animals. What, what do we want this one? We want this one to taste like panda. Let's feed it 50 pandas. No, that's very unethical. Um, but Food in the galaxy is rarely ethical. No, no, for for carnivores especially. I mean, if you, if you think about it, it involves yes. Let's chop that other creature up, or feed it to ourselves, or something. But and the idea of this carnivorous plant that eats animals to give us berries, crikey! The good berries, though. They are. We're they just are lucky very... it doesn't have legs. <laughs> oh, crikey! Imagine that. Thing Imagine that chasing you. A station interior trying to get you with its big brambly spikes. <laughs> that may feed be. Me. Feed me, <laughs> feed me, Seymour. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You know, when we when we get to go on some of these um, these new planets and we get our our Dysonator, you know, the, the the handheld Dysonator to sample things, you know, fending off some of these carnivorous plants that are trying to scoff us and turn us into berries. God, wouldn't that be great? Uh, is hey, it, Brian, look at this crunch. Humanity Brian? v plants. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it could have been a pitcher plant where you fall in and get digested. Or it could have been a you know, but they don't have berries, or it could have been one of those like giant Venus flytraps that, that wanders around and you know bites your head. But um, well, we no, haven't no, this... seen it all yet. They, these things may exist. Well, they they might exist. We're going to find out in January next year. Yes. I mean, does the thought of carnivorous plants terrify you, Rampage? Yeah, as a little yeah. kid, I, I watched the Triffids when I was little. It just came out. That absolutely, absolutely scared oh, the wits out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're these stems rattling as the bowl of the tree as they approach. To yes, mm. yeah. My my dad still tells us regularly not to look at meteor storms, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. No, no, I Mia, I don't think that's what he was saying that would make you go blind. <laughs> it's too late. Too late for that. Oh dear, Flossie. Yeah, pan handy again. They're being, yep. they're being really pan good. handy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh. Good job. Good job. Um, quick question <laughs> from Commander Eddie Lee Wise. There, Dave. Have you watched Future Man? No, no, I haven't. I don't know why the question came out, but no, no, I haven't. Okay, so we're going to head on to the sciencey bit of the show, and then towards the end. So I think it's about time we, we hand over to. Uh, Commander Rampage's alter ego and our, our very own Snoswell to find out a little bit about the, the science out in the galaxy. We've covered planet Earth. We've covered Novi. We've covered... What else have we done? We've done um, the other one and the other science. Solar in flares. Space. Solar flares, that was it. Yeah, solar flares. They, they went out in the, the 70s. And... Um, <laughs> But but this week is is something well it's it's an extension of a previous week's one so um, when you're ready uh, please Mr Ventura take us to the sky tonight. Good evening and welcome once more to the sky tonight. I'm Sovenny T, and as ever, I'm here to guide you through the skies around Hutton, as well as the science, sights and sounds of the galaxy we call home. As always, I have with me to help educate, entertain and exonerate our correspondent from Oopnor, the supremely down to Hutton, the northern ninja himself, Norman Ski. Hello, everyone. This week we're safe from raiding Elvin's treat box and we'll be talking to you about supernovae, as we promised. What are they? How do they come about? And where's the champagne? So... But what does it all mean? Uh, he's supposed to say that. Hi, 
What does it all mean? A supernovae is a powerful and luminous stellar explosion. Supernovae are transient astronomical events that occur during the last evolutionary stages of a massive star or when a white dwarf is triggered into runaway nuclear fusion. The original object, called the progenitor, either collapses to a neutron star or black hole or is completely destroyed. The peak optical luminosity of a supernova can be comparable to that of an entire galaxy before fading over several weeks or months. Supernovae are more energetic than the novae we talked about last week. Ah, I remember that. Something about nova being new. Glad you've been paying attention. In Latin, nova means new, referring astronomically to what appears to be a temporary new bright star. Adding a prefix super distinguishes supernovae from ordinary novae, which are far less luminous. The word supernova was coined by Walter Bard and Fritz Wicke in 1931. The most recent directly observed supernova at Milky Way was Kepler's supernova in 1604. But the remnants of more recent supernovae have been found. Observations of supernovae in other galaxies suggest they occur in our own galaxy on average about three times every century. These supernovae would almost certainly be observable with modern astronomical telescopes, and with travel around galaxy there is hope we will be able to learn more. Just don't get too close when it happens. The most recent naked eye supernova was SN1987A, the explosion of a blue supergiant star in a large Magellanic cloud, a satellite of our own galaxy. Theoretical studies indicate that most supernovae are triggered by one of two basic mechanisms. The sudden reignition of nuclear fusion in a degenerate star. <laughs> Plenty of degenerates round here at the moment. Excuse me, as I was saying, the sudden reignition of nuclear fusion in a degenerate star such as a white dwarf, or the sudden gravitational collapse of a massive star's core. In the first class of events, the object's temperature is raised enough to trigger runaway nuclear fusion, completely disrupting the star. Possible causes are an accumulation of material from a binary companion through accretion or a stellar merger. In the massive star case, the core of a massive star may undergo sudden collapse, releasing gravitational potential energy as a supernova. While some observed supernovae are more complex than these two simplified theories, the astrophysical mechanics have been established and accepted by most astronomers for some considerable time. Supernovae can expel several solar masses of material at speeds up to several percent of the speed of light. This drives an expanding shockwave into the surrounding interstellar medium, sweeping up an expanding shell of gas and dust observed as a supernova remnant. I know some systems that could do with cleaning up like that. Supernovae are a major source of elements in the interstellar medium from oxygen to rubidium. This is where Carl Sagan in the 20th century was inspired to make his famous quote about us being made of stardust. The quote, often misquoted, is The cosmos is witherness. We are made of starster. We are a wave for the universe to know itself. The expanding shockwaves of supernovae can trigger the formation of new stars. Supernova remnants might be a major source of cosmic rays. Supernovae might produce gravitational waves, though thus far gravitational waves have been detected only from the mergers of black holes and neutron stars. With the explosion, pardon pun, of travel around galaxy in recent times, there is hope we will learn much, much more about these stellar outbursts. Although we sincerely hope we see less stellar outbursts from Lale as well. It's a funny old place, this galaxy of ours. We hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode. Next week, we shall look further at how supernovae come about and the types of supernovae that occur. 
Until next week, I've been Serve NET. And I've been practicing my Aldin Tai Chi. Hey, he's been Normanski. And thank you to the Hutton Science team. Go on, Rampage. He oh. sounds awfully like you, that fella. He's not. Just sounds a lot like me. We're from the same town, I think. Ah, right. Up North Town. Up North, that's the one. Yep, <clears throat> Up North. Right, well, we're getting on towards the end of the show, so uh, time to do our thank yous. Obviously, uh, thank you once again from all of us to the Pilots Federation for loaning one of their uh, spokespeople for an hour or so this evening. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have uh, Arthur along. He has said he wants to come and do a, a, a proper show later when he's not got a crazy stream first. He keeps apologising for being late. It's his Hutton. We run on Hutton time. That's normal. Seamless. I mean, Seamless. We confuse him by being on time today. Yeah, you People see, have told him, it doesn't matter if you're 15 minutes late, they, they, they won't be ready. No, no, we, we're, we're never ready. And obviously, thank you to Commander Wotherspoon, who was dead excited about um, getting his uh, digestion back in order. And uh, his speculation... I, I mean, I could, I could almost see, you know, the... Uh, Pilots Federation representative taking notes at that point. Okay, there's some ideas, you know. But no, six months are already planned. So we're hoping one of those exciting bits of speculation is actually true. Or it could be something even more exciting. Just as a, a we'll, we'll go with Thargoid or Terrorist. Palantir, what do you reckon? Thargoid or Terrorist? I think it's Terrorist pretending to be Thargoids. And it, could that be <coughs> that some of the attacks we've seen in the past were not really Thargoids, or maybe they're working in conjunction with the Thargoids. Or maybe you? somebody just had a lot of green jelly left over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What about you, Amelia? Aliens. Just aliens. It was just aliens. Just aliens. Do you think, are, we, are we talking sort of aliens pretending to be humans, like, like in uh, Men in Black, you know, they just pull somebody's skin on and walk around pretending to be them? Well, it could be Thargoids. You know, they could be the ones pretending to be us. I mean, we haven't seen... Everything they're capable of yet, I don't think. Well, and they have been kidnapping a lot of human beings. Maybe they've studied us and they've created, you know, um, walking around suits. Exactly. Yeah. But you can tell the very unconvincing ones because they rise to the top in parliamentary <laughs> <laughs> democracies. Well, here's the thing, Dead Meat. Dead Meat, I mean, you're, you're, you're of an age with me and you may well um, remember reading the, the Dark Wheel back in the day. Indeed, very much so. And do, do you remember the, the scene where he checks in his cargo bay and does a scan of the cargo? Vaguely. Yeah, and there, there, there were, there were Thargoid larvae or something growing in the creatures in his cargo bay. Yes. Do you, I, I, I seem to remember that one. I don't know if the apology officer was uh, party to that original story as well. Uh, no, I don't, think I don't think I did read that one. We'd have to ask Kai Zen, because Kai Zen seems to be something to do with the Dark Wheel. But I think the creatures had larvae inside, larvae inside them, or something that might have been Thargoid larvae. Oh, nice! Um, I think I'm sure there's a description in there. Maybe somebody in the chat channel can remember on our behalf. You know, all I'll say is I've landed at Gerido, and what's around that station doesn't look like usual Thargoid goop. So it if it is aliens, it looks different, in my opinion. In in what way different? All well, it's not misty and green. It's usually misty and green. The Thargoid goop. This looked more like spread across the. Sort of the station, if you get a meaning, it sort of a sort of green lines in it. It Lith looked different. 
Lithobreaker says, yes, we're remembering it right. So maybe human beings have Thargoid larvae inside them and they're spreading green goo everywhere. So you reckon it's mm. different green goo. We're going to have to mm. ask Elsie, you know, fool like one for a science thing. So are you leaning towards humans or Thargoids on this one? Man it, I, or alien? Uh, well, I think it's, if it, I, I don't think it's Thargoids, but it could be alien or man depending. But I, I'm not sure it's Thargoids. It could be something we haven't seen yet. It could be. Lithobreaker says um, in, in the Dark Wheel story, he was carrying mammoths and they had immature farglets inside them. There you go. Um, so, apology officer. I think, well, terrorist or freedom fighter, depending on your outlook. And I think they have got hold of either some Thargoid technology or even a Thargoid ship because the damage all seems to be around the outside of the station. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing they say, an explosion. I've seen you landing. And, you know, what kind of explosives would you need to cause that kind of damage spread so wide? You know, yeah. your, your orca barreling in at full speed or your, you know. Um, yeah, an orca's not going to do it, you know. Maybe Arthur's, Arthur's beluga could have done it. but uh, I'd like to, no, I'd like to pick, up, pick up on that. So how many tentacles does a Thargoid have? It depends tentacles? how many you've shot off. Oh, yes, how, how many arms <laughs> They're flower people. Have? Let's call them they're, flower people. They're, they're octopods, aren't they? Okay, how many arms did the creature have in struggling? Two. Yeah. How many of those could you put together in one spaceship and actually pilot it? If you put four of them, would you not actually end up with a pseudo Thargoid? So you think you? So you're leaning towards the dastardly Don being behind all of this? Is what you're saying? Could and be. Could be struggling. Uh, yep. Yeah. And so, yep. dead meat, human, human or alien on this one? I've always maintained that Aegis have got something to do with this. It's alien, so you're in the alien camp. No, no, Aegis. No, 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 Aegis, oh, Aegis camp. Yeah. So you're leaning towards the, maybe they've got the Orthrus thing that was seen taking off from, was it Palin's base or an Aegis base? So you think humans using alien stuff? Whether they're using alien stuff or not, I don't know. Aegis blaming aliens, I think, is, I've always thought that's part of the story. Okay, fair enough. Commander Flossie. I don't know. I'm totally confused. <laughs> space, space spiders, aliens, terrorists. Could just, be anything. <laughs> could could be could be anything. Well, uh, LCU tells me that avian cheese with biscuits washed down with gin would cause that kind of explosion. And some strange. Yeah, he, should he should know. He should know because obviously he's had to redecorate his bathroom that many times. So where was <laughs> which fence was Rampage sitting on? I, I think it's possibly human, to be fair, but it, it's not. It's not Thargoids looking at it. And it's directed it's at Princess Princess Blue Hair, whatever her name is. Somebody's so. taking great great exception to prismatic shields or whatever. Isn't it prismatic shields from Samis and uh, yeah. Airspace? Yes. Is, is, are all of the attack stations host stations? I think so. They're all in a little cluster, aren't they? 160 the, the light majority years. majority are, but not all. Ah, ah. okay. Ah. So, so more likely to be an attack because against the Empire rather than Hus specifically. Or is this the rise of the Alliance? No. There you go. Dum, dum, <laughs> no, no, they always no, get beaten no, down by It's box. never going to be, no. It's not <laughs> the rise get, of the Alliance, no. They get slapped down by it's, Hutton every now and again. It's, it, it's, it's the Lib Dems. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's not Hutton. It's, it's bots. It's always bots that take the Alliance. Maybe very... Maybe, Definitely bots. Maybe valid, but it's just not going to happen. Well, that brings us to the end of the show then. We haven't had any sort of guessing on human or alien from the the Twitch channel as well. So um, we're just going to quickly catch up, Flossie, on the rescue mission totalizer, where we're up to. Um, it's gone up quite a bit since uh, since we had our banter with Arthur earlier, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it has quite a bit, yes. Um, 
Added uh, 5,000 rescued people since the banter earlier. It's now at 20,000. Uh, Hojo the Fool is still in first place with uh, 3,066 rescues. Uh, Psychic 2,287. And Nocti 1,888. Nocti Vegas? He really is out yeah. of oh, Yeah, back. he is. <laughs> He must have been invigorated by that walk we went on with the uh, Moments Talk Spaniels. <laughs> well, well, look, thank you very much to our listener for for, for tuning in, um, to uh, all the people over in the stream chat as well. Loads and loads of you. Uh, I noticed Baps Arcade popped up, Commander Baps, um, with his with his retro retro gear at some point during that. Um, but no, thank you very much to the listeners. Thank you very much to everybody for tuning in. Of course, thank you to the entire radio crew. There are now too many of you in here to go through the names again, but also all the supporting team. Obviously, uh, Mr. Cow and Mr. Moo for the the server-side things, Commander Ventura for all the button-pushing this evening, um, to Snoz and the writers and LCU and everybody. My mother, my father. <laughs> yes. My I'm dog. I'm going to cry now. Yep. Um, and it is time to go to the end of the show. It remains for us to say we'll be back next week at approximately 8.30 BST, which is 19.30 UTC for those of you everywhere else. And we'll be running on Hutton time, which means give or take a few. Um, so tune in next Ish. week. For the mug. For the mug. For the mug. Margins never really mattered at all We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere Loading up the teenagers to the brim with grill Follow the map, follow the map Yeah, you know just where we're coming from Follow the map, follow the map Now everybody sing the hot and trucker song Crash into the sun Swivel like the pilot on the Xbox One Alvin at the front, you know he leads us well Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody yells Follow the map, follow the map Yeah, you know just where we're coming from Follow the map, follow the map Now everybody sing the hut and trucker song Today, super cool.
cruising all across the Milky Way. We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere. So shout it out loud like you don't even care. Father Mark, Father Mark. Yeah, you know just where I'm coming from. Father Mark, Father Mark. Now everybody sing the heart and drunk a song. Sagittarius I is the Elite Dangerous magazine. Written by commanders for commanders, it's your source for news and entertainment out in the black. We cover all aspects of life in space, from exploration to politics, ship builds to trading tips, brought to you with incisive commentary and outstanding design. Our magazine is released as a fully voice-acted podcast. Head to your favourite podcatcher to find all our archive issues, perfect for podcast listening. You can download all our back issues at www.sagittarius-i.com. Sagittarius I, the outstanding, quality, in-universe, elite dangerous magazine. Since 3303. Sagittarius I. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Everybody's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off too? Night all.